welcome once again to EW10's Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck, your host. Our special guest, the one and only Dr. Ray Garendi of radio and TV fame. Taught by Ten is the new book. A psychologist's father is taught by his ten children. EW10 Publishing has proudly made this available. And uh, check out EW10's RC.com for all those great EW10 books, especially this As one. Always, great, uh, great to see you again. You. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Ray, originally I thought it was taught by a 10-year-old, but then I realized... Uh, <laughs> you know uh, why I use that pi I'm sure with that book, because I wanted a picture of me when I was younger. That's right. And, <laughs> and actually what's good here is that you feature your lovely wife, uh, Randy, who obviously is the one who deserves all the credit anyway, right? She uh, made it run. Right, exactly. In fact, you dedicate the book to her, don't you? I had to. She said, "There's no she way. Yeah, you. there's no way that was not going to be." Yeah. Did she make you put soulmate in there, uh, best friend? She and, wrote it, and I signed it. There you go. I knew she was your editor. I didn't know <laughs> at, at what degree. Now, I, are you really a fossil from the Mesozoic era, or is, <laughs> some people I think think your advice comes from that era? I tell them I use the wisdom of the ages. This is not Ray Gurney's <laughs> opinion. This is the wisdom of the millennia. Right, but caveman uh, pictures is not a basis for a Ph.D., is it? That is how that lady looked at me when I was on that show. When I suggested that piece of discipline, she looked at me like, where are you? What world are you in? Right. Now, it's interesting, too, because you talk about the idea that with certainty I can assert that I am not a woman. <laughs> Yet more than half of those who seek my guidance are female because it has to do with the idea that people say, well, you, you can't comment on anything you haven't already experienced, which is highly limiting. Of course, in this world today, you can claim to be anything you want. I could be an old guy who's married to the same woman and has a bunch of kids. That's about my client load right there. That'd be about all I could deal with. Mm -hmm. you, know why, you know why people do that, Doug? Because they can invalidate you. Right. If I say something that I've not experienced, but it validates the person, they never throw back in my face. Well, you never right. had that, but if you say something they don't want to hear, well, you know, you've not gone through what I've gone through. Right, and, and yet it's exactly what you say. Seldom does anyone object to guidance that confirms what they already believe. It's, it's, it's cognitive dissonance, too. I mean, that's why people don't like to, what's the great line? You can fool a lot of people. It's, it's easier to convince people, you know, to fool them than it is to convince them they've been fooled because no one likes to be the fool, and so nobody likes to be contradicted. I thought this was interesting. A, a lesson that wove its way through many lessons for me, and I'm assuming through life and also this book, is relax and laugh more. Why? Because we've created almost a neurotic landscape mm -hmm. among parents that they're second-guessing themselves, they're unsure of themselves. I, uh, one of the things when I approached parenthood, I said, I'm going to enjoy this. Mm -hmm. If it kills me, I'm going to enjoy this, mm -hmm. you know. And as we got more kids, it got more complicated, of course, and they have personalities all over the map. But I just didn't want to look at this like, what's it, what's it mean? Right. What's it mean for the future? If I but, leave him on the pot for four minutes too long, is he going to go up to be a... Well, isn't that something? You said I shed some of my early bent to overanalyze because in the time frame that we grew up, et cetera, you know, there was a lot of this kind of, you know, the books are out and you need to do this and do that. I mean, not that it hasn't got worse, but there's, there's a lot of this, like you said, this analysis paralysis, second-guessing yourself 24-7. Psychological correctness. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a scourge. And it really affects the better parents because they're the ones that are trying. Mm -hmm. Neglectful parents, what do they care? They're not going to have a book like that. Mm -hmm. What's a flashbulb memory? Oh, it's like, you remember where you were when John Kennedy was assassinated? When the Challenger shuttle? Yeah, blew up. Yeah, yeah. You remember exactly where you were. It sears it into your brain. They've actually done studies neurologically on that.
Now, one of the reasons you decided to adopt, besides the fact that your, your, your wife is wonderfully loving and open, had to do with your lack of ability to have your own children, right? No. Tax deductions. There was a time there I wasn't paying any taxes at all. I had something called Sertoli-only cell syndrome, right. present from birth. I threatened to sue my mother, but uh, the lawyer told me statute of limitations had run out, so right. I gave her a warning, don't let this happen again. Now, you've got to be, does Randy have a master's thesis? Yeah, she does. Uh, she, she, is she, it an abnormal psychology? I figured married she, to you, it she, might be, she, you she, could be her case, she, test case, maybe. She got her master's, <laughs> and then within two weeks, we adopted our first child. Is that what it was? Yeah. And what was her master's? I tell her some flaky degree, family studies or something like that. I said, honey, could it be business? You know, you could kind of, I told her, I said, you don't work for a living. What do you do? Well, she probably needed as much backup as possible, knowing she was going to be spending the rest of her life with you. You talk about the fact that our diverse personalities at home helped your career between the two. How so? Randy is much more aware mm -hmm. of parenting. I tend to be the enforcer, the backup. Uh, she's the one that notices when the kids are doing stuff. And then she tells me, Ray, did you hear that? What, honey? With your son. What son? The one named Andrew. We have a son named Andrew? Mm -hmm. She's the one that, she's the one, you know, women, they just are more observant. Absolutely. In, uh, in chapter two, you say, few relationships embody unconditional love like that of a parent for a child. It's interesting because that's true. Why do you think so many younger people today aren't looking to have kids? The statistics are as high as they've ever been. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. One, uh, you don't need children like they used to, quote unquote, in farming communities. Two, there's a certain self-centeredness that mm -hmm. is now pervading our culture. Three, I just saw a statistic the other day that 38% mm -hmm. of 25 to 64 year olds will never have a partner, never mm -hmm. marry. Right. Now, are the people from where you live blaming you for the fact that the meal deals are no longer available <laughs> for large families You know or how something? it always is, you have to have one adult per two kids free. Right, right. We found a place that anything under 12 was free. So we would go there after mass probably eight, 10 weeks and I saw the sign gone. <laughs> I said to the managers, what happened? He goes, you did. That's right. <laughs> we killed you it. You drove that out, okay. <laughs> you talk about in respect for the power of temperament, Little boys tend to be more active and hard-charging than little girls. Oh, yeah, I don't know, you allowed to say that? They engage their surroundings more frenetically. Little girls tend to be more verbal. They talk earlier, they talk better, they, they talk, talk longer. longer. <laughs> Parents who believe the culture's fallacies are regularly taught otherwise by their children. Yeah, you can't, you can't buy into this idea that this is just all a construct and it's the way kids are shaped. You have one boy, one girl, you're gonna see these innate differences right there every day. Mm -hmm. And that's where you talk about the, their innate personalities are tied to so much and the power of temperament reels itself in one child at a time. One mother summed it up, he said, you're not as bad a parent as your toughest child, you're not as good a parent as your easiest child. You know what child. I learned too? I learned that some kids are just going to absorb my teaching. They're going to like be a sponge. And other kids, it's going to bounce off of them. Mm -hmm. That's what I learned. Now, do you consider yourself, or would your parents have thought you were a strong-willed child, or you don't believe in strong-willed children? <laughs> my mother is Italian. So my mother had all kinds of adjectives <laughs> for me. You know, cavados mm -hmm. in Italian, that's hard head. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the questions here, and this is the kind of stuff you hear in, in Lose the Label, the section. You were talking to a college student and a young mother who asked you 
Do you th and do you think children are naturally obedient? And you kind of asked her, well, what do you think? That's what shrinks do, you know. Right. It says, I don't think they are naturally. They have, they have to be taught to obey. And you ask, what does your professor say? Just the opposite. Exactly. That's what's happening. And that's why so many parents are wondering what's wrong with their kid mm -hmm. when their kid is resistant or defiant or lies or does things that are indicative of fallen human nature. We Christians have forgotten that. We've been swamped by the psychologist's notion that children are just, oh, Father, why didn't you just say so? Of course, that's let's right. sing Kumbaya. That's right. Yeah, that's what they think. But in fact, children the naturally nobles, are the noble willful. savage. Yes. Children are perfectly fine. Society and culture and bad parenting is yes. why they have problems. Yes, but, but right. it's your society's composed of people, so I don't know how they get around, how they get that, around one. that Right. Now, did you consider yourself a pinball parent? No. No, I realized quickly on, I want simple stuff, Doug. For example, we use the corner. Mm -hmm. You got four, four corners in every room. You fill them up, you got another room, which is a problem in our home. We used to have to give out little timesheets, mm -hmm. show up next Wednesday, 2 a.m., you got corner time, because the corners were backlogged. Simple stuff. I always tell parents, the simpler it is. So did you build a house with more corners? More, in well, it? we more had a couple corners. round couple rooms. Of, that was oh, a real okay. problem. Really messed the kids up. <laughs> okay. Go to the corner, Dad, there's no corner. <laughs> Well, let me ask you, do you still have that original $10 bill you got? Or did you invest it and is it worth a lot more money now? It's so true. It's worth a lot less now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where'd you get a $10 bill for? I forget. What did that I say? That was with that what lady who gave you the oh, money. Oh, the Thought your kids could oh, use a little yes. better uh, clothing attire. Well, that's a true story. <laughs> right. We walked in. My daughter would cut clothes when we first got her. She was two years old. She'd cut clothes. So we She'd took, be very popular now. Well, I, mean, that's well, the I look, just right? said, yeah. Right, right, but no, right. you can't cut your own. Yeah. Is that no, what you it have is? to buy them cut? Yeah, I asked oh, that. Okay, pre-cut. So she'd come in, and this little Italian lady after mass would come over and shake my hand. Would you buy the children some clothes? I had one lady at Christmas mm -hmm. shake my hand $300. So the next time that lady tried to give me 10, I said, you cheapskate. Hey, I just threw it back. That's right. I'm not going to shake your hand for less than 200. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> You say and expect the unexpected. What rattles parents is not so much a perplexing behavior itself, but the anxiety that it could mean something more, something oh, deeper is going so on, right? We're so psychologically overanalyzing these days. I get the main question, Doug, is it normal? Mm -hmm. That's the question I get. I say, whether it is or whether it isn't, you gotta ask, is it right? You know, a three-year-old will throw a fit on you, that's mm -hmm. normal, it's not good. You no. know, a 15-year-old will mouth off if you let them, it's not right. So the is it normal question really plagues parents. In this section, relax, uh, you talk about something called the MCS. I remember MC5. That was a good band from the Midwest. But middle child syndrome, and you seem to cast some doubt on it. Oh, it's, it's first of all, it doesn't have any research support. Mm -hmm. What you usually see is that if the middle child is the toughest child, it's probably because of her temperament. And I always tell parents, you're worried about middle child syndrome, don't have an odd number of kids, you know? Mm -hmm. You have another one, give one away. You just get, keep get them even. Well, that's it, get out of the middle spot. You can have upper middle, lower middle. You also make the point, I think, that you thought that became more of a, a diagnosis the smaller the families got. Absolutely, because think about it. We had five middle children mm -hmm. as, as our family grew. So how long do you have to be a middle child to contract middle child syndrome? Right. Most of the time it's that one, two, three, so you got that one in the middle. And parents will say to me, they'll say, no, 
That's true. He is the most difficult. I go, well, he had a, he had a one-third chance right. by temperament. Right, but if you had three children, the second child was a middle child, but then if you added two more, there was a different middle you child. You different middle child. Your youngest became your so middle. So you have multiple and, middle yeah, children you've got to exactly deal right. with. That's exactly right. This is an interesting response. Not that people who listen to your radio show would be surprised. A colleague asked me, do you have any regrets as a parent? And you said, I don't think so. I said, I don't think so. He got upset. How could you not have regrets? I mm -hmm. said, if you're saying that I look back on it and I say to myself, I somewhat consciously and deliberately mm -hmm. did what I wanted and was in my best interests, that would be a regret. Mm -hmm. But all of the mistakes I made, you wouldn't even, I don't even like calling them mistakes. I see parents are too much into that, I made a mistake. Whatever I did that may not have worked out as well as I wanted, I didn't do it on purpose. Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it might have, in retrospect, you realized was not the right path, but it certainly wasn't designed to be a right. mistake. Uh, what is EPD? I don't know. What did I say it was? Well, you say here, I have a chronic case of EPD. After all, I'd have PhD after my name. Enlightened parents' oh, disease. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's when you overthink. Mm -hmm. That's when you just know so much and you're into the books and you know how to talk and you use iMessages and not you messages and active listening and you make sure your sticker system has mm -hmm. the right amount of stickers per square inch. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. you, you, you make this a formula and if you blow the formula, then the kid's not gonna turn out the way you want. And you talk about the affection connection on the whole younger children, uh, give and take affection as naturally as they breathe. You say a word taboo among gurus of parenting is quote unquote punishment. Although less harsh sounding words are to be substituted, correction, guidance, consequences, discipline, though that also has some problems, as you say. You say, if affection comes and goes with a child's good and bad conduct, however, it becomes conditioned. I've seen parents do that, where they'll just, they'll essentially emotionally shun the kid to show them how displeased they are with him. One of the things I learned the most, and the, the shrinks will tell you this, they say, well, adolescence, in their striving for independence are uncomfortable if a parent shows affection out in public. Mm. There was no way I was gonna let my kids not let me show them affection out in public. My 17-year-old son played basketball. I'd sit in the bleachers, three, four back, before the game started, wait for the opening, I'd go down, I'd hug him, I'd give him a big kiss, right in front of his friends, right in front of the coach, right in front of the bleachers, and then I'd encourage him. Petey, mm -hmm. try not to stink the joint out. Mm -hmm. You know, and he told me later, he said, Dad, I had some friends come up to me and say they wish their dad would do that. Right. No way Stink my kids would do that. Well, no. okay, that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm big in affirmation oh, okay. here, Doug. I gotcha. No okay. way my kids are going to say to me, and I don't care what age they are, Dad, don't, yeah. don't. No, it's not going to happen. Well, you say, I think in the book you talk about that not wanting to let your kids control how much affection you show. Right? That's right. I control that and right. I, I love you and I'm going to show it. And I, you know, parents will say to me, can you be too strict? Mm. And I'll say, well, if you're loving and affectionate, you can have very high standards because the kids know how much you care for them because you show it. Right. And that's where you say the idea is not to not discipline, but to discipline better. Yeah, when we got our twins, they were just out of control. I mean, mm -hmm. they were obnoxious. They were four years old. They didn't have much discipline. And I said to my wife, I said, honey, maybe we better back off. And she said, no, mm -hmm. we're going to raise the affection to balance it out. Right. And you also talk about in here something else that's uh, unusual, which is that you're claiming that authority is a good word. Oh, it's been badgered so bad by the experts. 
It, it, it now sounds dictatorial, it sounds controlling, it sounds suffocating, mm. it sounds emotionally insensitive. Authority is a good word, and I always tell parents, if you have authority, mm -hmm. you don't use it very often. If you don't have it, you're always chasing some counterfeit form of it, and you get nasty. Now, uh, you don't play first, and so you're not who's on first. Where, uh, where are you in the softball field these days? Oh, Pitching? I'm back on the mound now. Back yeah. on the mound? My, you know, I, I, run, I run as fast, just in the same place. Right, right. That's in your section on the power of perception. What is the power of perception? Parents will say to me, I don't recall ever doing this to my parents. And I said, well, did you get disciplined? Not mm -hmm. that much. Well, why do you, how do you explain that? And they'll say, well, I just knew. It was perception. You knew your parent was going to act. I call it a variant of the look. You get, a look has no authority, mm -hmm. but the look conveys I'm ready to act. The look conveys a perception. Right. I'm going to do something. Right. You're getting close to that, the line. That, and that's huge. <laughs> and parents, that, nowadays, right. you look at a kid, the kids look back at you like, yeah, right, right, what are you looking yeah. at? Yeah, you hey. want a piece of this? <laughs> that's right. You want a piece of me? <laughs> exactly. Well, you also talk about the, the, some Rottweilers that, uh, that you guys have done. So is, is Randy considered the overall uh, pack leader in the family? She's the pack leader with me, too. That's you what know, I figured. Just do what the women tell you. Nobody gets hurt. That's in my next marriage book. In, uh, and keep it simple, stupid. I'm assuming that's what your kiss is here. <laughs> Early in fatherhood, I learned this about myself. The easier it is, the more likely I am to do it. The more likely I am to do it, the better it works. The better it works, the less I have to do it. You ever see a refrigerator with a dead sticker system? You know, I'm going to teach my little five-year-old how to make a bed, so I'm going to get a catalog of stickers, and we're going to put them all up there, and they just fade away after two weeks because we're not accountants. We can't keep track of this. I say, keep it very simple. Well, what should I do when he, when he pushes his brother? Stick him in a corner. Well, every time? Pretty much. Make it simple. He'll get the idea. He'll get the idea. <laughs> he knows what the reaction is going to be. What's a, you talk about blackout. What do you mean oh, blackout as, as a oh, I had to develop that years ago because the experts all talk about if you put a consequence on a child, he's going to go, oh, yes, father. Did, did you want me to put my head down at the table? Mm -hmm. Did you want me to write an essay? Most of the parents who come in my office, good people, mm -hmm. can't get a child to accept the discipline mm -hmm. without a fight, without an argument, without coming out of the corner 27 times. Lady came to me once and she said, I can't get my 14-year-old to accept anything. I said, okay, here's what you do. You give him the consequence, and if he refuses, you shut everything down, mm -hmm. totally everything, privileges, the, the kinds of dessert or food you're going to put in front of him, money supply, mm -hmm. everything. And she went, you mean blackout? Mm -hmm. And I said, that's a great name. It is probably the single best thing to get parents back in authority of any To show who's in control Absolutely. and who has the authority. Now, what does ice cream have to do with <laughs> slot machines in relation to reward <laughs> systems for your kids? Do you know what slot machines are based upon from a perspective of a behavior schedule? It's called a variable ratio reinforcement schedule. In other words, you don't mean when, you don't know when you're gonna get rewarded. So you see these people standing in, well, they don't do this anymore, do they? They do no, this. No, they hit the buttons. They do now, like right. this, okay? I always remember these. That was more fun. That is the most powerful reinforcement schedule. So I tell parents, if you're going to and use... And you get a little bit just to keep you right. going, right? right? If you're going to reinforce a child, tangibly especially, random. Mm -hmm. Do it at random. Don't do it every time. Yes. There's research that indicates if you give a tangible reward every single time, 
when you take the reward away, the behavior drops below where it was. You talk about the idea that words may sound like discipline, feel like discipline, even get some compliance if said with enough volume, that, but words are counterfeit of discipline. How so? That is probably the number one uh, substitute now for parents. They think if they talk enough, if they nag enough, if they get loud enough, if they reason enough, if they negotiate enough, if they re-re-re-re-re-re-re-remind enough, that they're going to get compliance. Mm -hmm. Words follow the law of diminishing returns. The more you talk, the less cooperation you get. Mm -hmm. If you're, I always tell parents, if you're not going to back up what you say, don't say it. It's better to let the child get away with it than to simply talk because you'll lose credibility too and you'll get away with it. Right. And you also make the point that, that in talking less, you'll be heard more. Absolutely. There's no question. We define a lecture as anything over maybe 27 minutes. Mm -hmm. Kids define a lecture as anything that says, you know, when I was your age, or anything that's a compound sentence, mm -hmm. or anything over 22 words. You know this, they look at you like, yeah, here it comes, right, right. yeah. And we think we just keep going, they're gonna finally go, I, I got it, right, I right. got it. You know, Dad, had you stopped 22 minutes ago, I don't think I'd have been with you. Right, you also say that your kids once conspired to unionize, but fell short by one vote. Yeah, we bought off the little ones. Is that what it yeah, was? we bought was that the, the ice cream. They could all vote us. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I did once? This is something. Now I hesitate to say this on air because I know the reaction I got when I did it. My wife and I went in and got ice cream. Mm -hmm. This is when we only had six kids, and we did it to teach a lesson, mm -hmm. which is sometimes mom and dad get things you don't get. Mm -hmm. I went into the store. There were ladies in there. Ray, your kids are in the band. Yeah. Oh, you're getting ice cream for them. Uh, no, just just me and Randy. Oh, they're in trouble, huh? No, no. Then as I walked out, I heard. <laughs> I told you about him. <laughs> yeah. That's, my, I told interestingly you about enough, him. my son John Four, who who we had just had for a couple months, started crying. Andrew, my six-year-old, turns to John and goes, "John, we don't get everything mom and dad get." Right. He got he got the message. Good cop, bad cop may be a savvy police move, but it's. A foolish marital move. Oh, I cannot tell you how many women come in my office and say, I wish he would back me up. Mm -hmm. he, he questions me. And I always say, what happened to the guy's authority here? The women are leading the charge in setting the rules and limits, and we guys are along for the ride, you know? I said, tell the guys. It is not a matter of her style. Her style may be wordy, it may be loud, mm -hmm. but she has authority. She's mom. So back her up. She'll feel very affectionate toward you. And I think you have a story even with you coming into the house late in the day, so to speak, and getting involved. And, and part of the thing sometimes is you don't know everything that happened or has transpired throughout the day because you were out at the office or at work or whatever. Hey, so I told my wife, hey, I work for a living. What'd you do all day today with these 10 kids under 12? But you know what I used to do? I'd come home. And if I found out that one of the kids gave her, you know, a lot of trouble mm -hmm. during the day, and she'll discipline him, she's not going to be overwhelmed. Right. You talk about the time when well, I think it was in the garage. There's a story about the garage with oh, Sarah. Yeah, right. <laughs> she she came out, and I heard her go, "What, what do you want me to do now, Mom?" Huh. And my wife said, "Sari, you're going to sweep out the garage, then you're going to vacuum the front room." And I said, "What did she do?" My wife said she rolled her eyes at me. Mm -hmm. I said, well, what'd you do? She said, I gave her two hours worth of labor. Mm -hmm. Now, labor is you got to do everything you're told. Mm -hmm. And I said, 
Two hours for rolling your eyes at your mother. Is that because that's so terrible? No, it's because your mother is so valuable. Mm -hmm. You know, if you ask me a question, Doug, and I, I do this. Right, no, I know. That's disdainful. But yet we expert types tell parents they're supposed to accept that because children are expressing their feelings. Right. Well, it's also interesting because, uh, I mean, you're, you're like the fountain of youth here, of course, but you actually in have that, in that picture moved, I up, am anyway. moved up in age here. <laughs> and so you, you, you talk about the idea in, in a chapter, we already raised our children. Our grandchildren's parents have the right to be more loose than we would be. So, too, they have the right to be more right or tight, I should say, than we would be. How do you, what do My you mean? My wife How and I learned very there? early, shut our mouths. Mm -hmm. If they ask, if, if they ask me my opinion, I hand them a form from my attorney and says, please sign this, giving me permission to give you my opinion. Mm -hmm. We don't say a word unless we are asked. And if they're letting their little one get away with something that we wouldn't let them get away mm -hmm. with, we Now, if they're in our house, a condition of right. mom and dad watching them is now our, our discipline rules. Well, let me ask you the idea. So what is the greatest lesson you were taught by the 10? Be as affectionate as you can be. Mm -hmm. You cannot give enough affection. You can't say I love you enough. You can't give enough hugs and kisses. You can't just out in public take their hand. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I always tell parents, when that kid feels that love, I'm, I'm stricter than most parents, and my wife is mm. even stricter than I am. But the kids never resented it because mm. they were just flooded with dad's going to kiss you before he makes you write the essay, you know? Was that how you were parented, or did you make a decision? Italian. To hand it's to a law. Okay, so Italian. that's the way you were. Absolutely. My, well, you know this. My parish, St. Anthony's in Canton, right. was Mother Angelica's parish. Right, absolutely. Right. Us Italians had to all go there, and we all hugged and kissed, and that's the way it was. You did that. So I get so frustrated when parents feel bullied mm -hmm. because their 14-year-old says, don't, don't, Mom, don't, don't right. touch me out in public. Right. What? Right. That's not going to happen. Especially these days where it probably gets younger. Okay, Dr. Ray. Always. Always another book in the works, so happy to see you if you show up again. This one, taught by 10, a psychologist's father learns from his 10 children. Even Dr. Ray can learn, and you'll learn a lot by reading this book, published by EW10, available through our EW10 Religious Catalog, EW10RC.com, all things Catholic. Thanks for stopping by right here on EW10's Bookmark. We'll see you next time.